Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference forget the sec forget the big 10 and forget national podcasts that only talk about oklahoma and texas we talk about the sooners and the longhorns we also talk about the cyclones the cowboys the wildcats the mountaineers the jayhawks the red raiders the horn frogs and the bears we love the whole big 12 and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found so go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are previewing the Sweet 16 matchup for the Kansas Jayhawks here in the 2022 NCAA March Madness Tournament. Uh, it is the... <coughs> sorry, excuse me. It is the Providence Friars. And to help me do that, I have coming to the podcast for the first time from the uh, SB Nation site, Big East Coast Bias, uh, helping us to preview. He is the Providence guy, from what I am told. It is Matt St. Jean. Matt, how are you doing today? You know, it's always a good week when there's college basketball on, and it's an even better week when it's your team playing in the Sweet 16. So I'm just, I'm ready for Friday. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what? This is like, this was a year where all Kansas fans were expecting to get to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, actually, there's a lot of people are expecting Kansas to get to the Final Four, especially with the way that this bracket broke. But obviously, Providence is one of those teams that uh, Kansas has to get through in order to make it. I will, I will admit my, my co-host here on the podcast, typically, um, you know, he was the one that said that, well, you know what? If you can make a run through the Big 12 tournament, so you can hopefully get Providence as your four seed, that that's something you want to do. So, um, it, you know, I'm interested. I kind of dove a little bit into what Providence does, but the whole reason to bring you on, of course, is because you are much more familiar with Providence than I, than I could ever be. So I do want to go ahead and get started because the, I think the big thing that a lot of people talk about when they look at Providence and what they've done is they have a lot of really, really close wins. Um, Ken Palm, had, you know, they've been called out on Ken Palm in terms of having a lower Ken Palm rating because they have a very high luck matrix, metric, I mean. Um, so what is it about this Providence team that has kind of lended to them winning those close games? And do you think that that's indicative of the style that they play or is there something else going on there? 
I mean, it all starts with the age and the experience of this team. The average age of the top seven guys, who those are really the main contributors on the team, is 23 years old. It's the same age as Jason Tatum. (laughs) So these are guys that have been around. They know how to play. They're comfortable in late-game situations. I know Ed Cooley has said uh, all this season that... These guys are, they, they want to be in close games. That's where they feel like they have the advantage, where they can play with you for 38 minutes, make it even in those last two minutes. That's where they're really going to show what they're made out of. And I think they've had some, I mean, you could argue they've had some lucky wins in there. That narrative has been thrown around, but there was a week where the Friars pulled off one possession victories against Marquette and Xavier. And the reason they did it was because in the last 90 seconds of each game, they executed far better than their opponent. And I think that's kind of the measure of this season. There there haven't been a lot of teams that the Friars haven't been able to play with. Uh, they've kind of played to the level of their opponent for the majority of every game of this season, the exception of uh, a couple bad losses. But outside of those, I mean, they, they beat you for most of the game or stay with you for most of the game and then find ways to win right at the end. Yeah, you... You did talk about bad losses. One of those being, uh, to, you know, the team that Kansas just beat in the round of 32 in Creighton. Um, was that kind of just a, a bad night for them or Creighton doing something yeah. that was kind of unexpected or, or? It was a bad night. The, the Friars, they have five losses this season. They fall in two categories. And that was the latter, which is there's nights where this team doesn't show up. I think the strength of this team is their depth. It's also the weakness. They don't have one guy that's really going to take over. So every once in a while, there's a night where just none of the guys are on. Happened against Creighton. They could not shoot the basketball that night. Um, Part of that, too, I think the defense was a little bit slow. They were getting beat off the dribble a lot. And I think Creighton came to play. Creighton came in motivated. The Friars had blown them out the first time. And Creighton wanted a little bit of revenge. They're a young team. They've been all over the place this season. So that's kind of the story of that one. And I think that's really the story of the two losses at Marquette and against Virginia earlier this season, too. Just it not being your night and the shots aren't falling. Yeah, I mean, I know that Kansas had their share of those games where they just didn't show up for whatever reason. Um, I do think that the difference, obviously, is Kansas has a much higher talent level, you know, to start in terms of the other teams that they're playing. So it does make it a little bit easier. Um, you know, they also kind of have that depth as well. So I, I definitely identify with that. Uh, I, I, I'm interested how that's going to translate into this game. And we'll get there in just a little bit here. But first, I do want to kind of go down the roster, kind of what it is that Providence does so we can, you know, intelligently, at least on my end, chat about what this team does and what this game might look like. So the guy that initially jumps out to me um, is Nate Watson, the the 6'10". I believe he's a center. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a traditional back-to-the-basket old-school center. <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be an intriguing matchup then because David McCormick is another, like, it's back-to-the-basket type of center as well. Um, you know, I had heard a lot of chatter from people that were talking about, and, and, and obviously I don't know if it's it's probably just fans talking on Twitter, a bunch of trash talk, but talking about how, you know, Providence was going to throw it down to Nate Watson and he was going to dominate in the post, and, you know, Kansas didn't stand a chance with that. Is that what they like to do, is to try to go through the middle, or is that just one of the pieces that they have? That really is the focal point of the offense, and, you look at this team, the roster, there's a lot of transfers on this roster. A lot of that was to build an offense around Nate Watson as the focal point. He's he didn't, he's not scoring as much as he did a year ago. Most of that's because the rest of the team is stronger. But the way it's built is they're going to spend the first 15 seconds of the shot clock trying to get it into him. 
trying to get those entry passes, trying to get the ball in, letting him work one-on-one. What teams have been doing, and the reason other guys have found success this year, is they'll bring the double team. And he's been able to pass out of it and find guys on the outside. But first and foremost, this ball is absolutely going through him. It's going through the paint. It's designed, the offense is designed to space the floor and let him work one-on-one with whichever guy you want to put against him. Yeah, I find that interesting because I know that that's Bill Self's big philosophy, right? Is play through the paint, you get it inside and then kick it back out. I am curious to see how effective that's going to be, especially with the way that Kansas likes to play. Um, you know, if they're going to be able to take some tips and you know, like deny those post passes and, and do all that sort of stuff, it'll be interesting to kind of see. But in terms of going out on the prim, cause I mean, I, I definitely think that that's probably one of the main matchups to watch. Um, and we'll kind of talk about which one's most important, but I am curious out on the perimeter, you know, Kansas has, has, well, now I guess four really great guards and Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, Ochai Baji, and then Remy Martin has been absolutely electric in the postseason. He's something else. Um, in terms of who, who does Providence try to counter with there? Like which, which guys on the perimeter are the biggest contributors, the ones that are going to be able to stand up to those guys? Uh, it depends. If you're talking about three point shooting, it's going to go through AJ Reeves and Noah Horkler. Horkler's their four. I mean, he's a forward, but he'll kick out, he'll shoot threes. Um, Reeves is the only top 100 recruit on this roster. He's been very hit or miss. He scored 29 points in his first career game. Hasn't hit that since. Um, he's been kind of up and down, but he's a guy who, who can knock down shots. And then the point guard, the guy that kind of makes it all go. It's a familiar story for Kansas fans. It's the guy that comes off the bench. It's Jared Bynum. He was sixth man of the year, second team, all big East. He's a scoring threat from the outside. He can drive. He has a really high assist rate. He's a small guard, but he's really found his shot this year. He struggled shooting the ball last year, but he found it this year. And because of that, I mean, he's been kind of the, the X factor from the outside. He scored 30 points, 30 something points against Georgetown, was just hitting every shot that day. And he, he provides a spark. And I think that's why Ed Cooley likes him off the bench, too, because he's not that good on defense, but you can put him in and he's going to make the offense run. That's interesting. Man, there are a lot of parallels between these two teams that I was not prepared for. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think a guy like Remy Martin, his his defense is coming along quite a bit. But, um, yeah, it's weird having your probably more productive point guard coming off the bench. Um, my gosh, it's like they tailor match this for this without yeah. even realizing it. So, yeah. all right. So, so, so talking about the team in general, what it is that Providence likes to do, um, because I am looking at the, at the Ken Palm profile. And I, I do find it weird that they have so much that goes through, uh, Nate Watson when they're three, or sorry, when they're, when they're two point shooting is under 50% on the season. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be that they're a very good two point shooting team. Um, is that, is that because of Watson having issues or is that other guys like trying to take those mid range jumpers that are just absolutely atrocious? Uh, it's a combination of things. I think Watson having issues is probably the smallest part. I mean, he's had more attention this year than I think he's ever had in his career. He's drawn more double teams. Part of it is Al Durham, who's the other point guard. He's the one that's going to start. He gets to the free throw line a lot. He'll get to the rim. He's not that great of a finisher. He'll hit mid-range shots. He'll knock down a couple every game. But And then he's found his stroke recently. He started hitting the shots. He had 21 points. Um against Butler, I think, or against Creighton, one of those biggies tournament games. He's found his shot again recently, but he's really inconsistent as a finisher. And I think, I mean, I think a lot of these guys are all right around the rim, but 
they consolidate on offense so much. They, they get to the paint so well and then kick back out. So that's where the three-point shooting ends up being better. Teams really try to take away what's going on in the paint, and it's somewhat successful, but they overcommit. That's how you see games like against Richmond where the Friars just knocking down shot after shot from the outside. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I'm also kind of just looking at, at other things that they don't necessarily do too well. It looks like they do have an issue of trying to force turnovers on defense, which isn't yep. necessarily a, a big deal uh, depending on how well you are or how sound you are defensively elsewhere. Um, but the final thing on offense that really jumps out to me, uh, you know, they have a blocking or a block percentage of 10%. Are, are they, do they have a problem with driving into good, you know, good uh, defense on the inside or is that something else that's going on there? I've, I don't think I've seen a block percentage quite that high that isn't like a team that just routinely drives in and gets blocked all the time. It's interesting because you, when you watch them play, you wouldn't guess that the block percentage is that high either. I think part of that is that the Big East has a lot of really good rim protectors this year. You guys got Creighton without Ryan Kalkbrenner. He, right. <laughs> he's been very good at that this year. Jack Nungy for Xavier was very good at that this year. The Friars also have some undersized guards. Bynum is a small guy, so... That'll happen there. And, and the backup centers, Ed Croswell, he's good. He's nifty. He's also only six foot eight. So he's not, I mean, he's going to get blocked some of the time. Um, yeah, it's, I'd be interested to go through game by game and see where most of those blocks happen. Because when you watch the, when you game by game, you don't really notice it overall. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of fair. I think Kansas is, is the same way. There's definitely things where you, you wouldn't know based off of the, you know, watching the games. And then when you go back and look at the, at the statistical profile, it's like, oh, I guess they really do have a problem with that. Like, I, I remember that time and that other time. And, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. How many of these are there? Um, so, yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. Um, it's, it is one of those kind of issues that can be difficult to deal with at times. So, all right. Well, I do want to go ahead and turn to the actual matchup itself, kind of look at some of the, the, the matchups between individual players, kind of talk about the game as a whole all that stuff. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott and Holman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott and Holman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And we're back. I'm here with Matt St. Jean of Big East Coast Bias talking about the Providence Friars, the Sweet 16 matchup for the Kansas Jayhawks. And, you know, we're, we're all celebrating the Sweet 16 and, you, you know, we're, we're not the only ones. There's a bunch of other teams. And what better way to celebrate making the Sweet 16 than going out and getting yourself one of the fantastic shirts from sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, it's the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They got T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of stuff. They have more than 100 different schools. They're adding more schools all the time. They just got done with Big New Saturday Season 3, which is all a bunch of basketball schools. Um, 
I'm sure that big new CCs or big new Saturday season four is actually not that far away. Uh, you know, you know, I'm sure they'll get back to their football ways, but there will be a lot of additional great schools that are still coming. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But they are still doing fantastic stuff during what they are calling third month mania. Uh, because we all know that what you would normally say is it's copyrighted. But, um, you know, they, they have absolutely fantastic shirts for a lot of different teams that made the Sweet 16. They were able to get an entire line of four shirts for St. Peter's, you know, as, as a result of their run to the Sweet 16. So they're doing some fantastic stuff. Let me tell you, I've looked at those. I want some, even though I just spent a whole bunch getting a bunch of Kansas shirts. So if you go over to, to homefieldapparel.com, though, and use promo code CHALK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. And I can guarantee you, if you go over there and really take a look around, you're going to find well over $100 worth of stuff that you want. It is that great. Um, I personally have like nine or 10 different shirts, most of them from schools that I didn't have, like I have no affiliation to because the logos are just that fantastic. But again, promo code CHOCK12 over at homefieldapparel.com gets you 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Matt. So, um... This matchup here, like, there's a lot of different ways that I think this could go, but if you're t- having to pick out one player matchup that you think is going to be most important for this game, where would you start looking? Well, I know the one I'm most interested in, and it involves the one Providence starter that we haven't talked about yet, and that's Justin Manaya. He's a guy who many thought could win Defensive Player of the Year in the Big East. Uh, he's kind of the key to the Providence defense. Ed Cooley puts him on whoever your best option is, and then they run the rest of the defense around that, which means he's getting the Big 12 Player of the Year, Ochai Abaji, Friday night. I'm assuming that's going to be the matchup. And when you go against a player of that caliber, it's going to test any defense. So, I mean, this is going to be probably the best player that Manaya has ever had to guard in his life, possibly ever in his life, depending on what he does after this season. And that's going to be a lot of fun just to watch watch him on the defensive end and see what he's able to do, see if he's going to be up for the task. As a Providence fan, I know, I mean, if he's not able to be up to the task, I don't think the Friars are going to have a good shot at winning this game at all. Yeah, it's been weird because Abaji has had some struggles recently, and I don't think it's been entirely because of defenses, just, you know, face guarding him and doing all that kind of stuff. He seems to be in somewhat of a slump, even against a team like Texas Southern. He didn't, like, really come on until late in that game. And so I don't, I mean, it's weird because if Manaya goes on the guy who's the hottest or the guy who's the best, do you go with a guy like Coach Ayabaji, who over the course of the season has shown that he's probably the best player that the Jayhawks have, or do you go with the guy who's the hottest right now, which is Remy Martin right. when, when he's on the yeah. floor? And so I, I definitely am interested as like, because you guys have a lockdown defender like that on who they actually end up putting him on, or if it's something where he starts on Abaji and then, you know, if, if Remy Martin is that much more effective as he has been, do you switch? Um, yeah, and this, go ahead. this is that's kind of the the thing that Manai can do too. Is you can switch him, you can move him around from possession to possession. I mentioned earlier about how the Friars had a stretch this season where it was kind of the defense where they were able to have late game execution. Part of that was the defense, and the biggest part of that was Justin Manai. Friars were playing Xavier; they have a seven foot center, and Providence put six seven Justin Manai on him on the last possession just to make sure he couldn't get the ball. Xavier never even looked his way. Once, once they saw Manaya on him, they couldn't get the offense through him, and it shut down Xavier's last play. Friars get a stop, get the ball in transition, hit a buzzer-beating three, and come away with the win. So he's a guy that you can put anywhere. I think you are. I, you're going to see him on Abaji. You're going to see him on Remy Martin. You're going to see him on Christian Brown. You're going to see him all over the lineup. I'm guessing 
because I know Kansas likes to move you around too. So whoever he's on, I think is going to have a difficult time, but Kansas is going to have to make do with whoever else is out on the floor. Whoever Manai is not guarding. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it definitely helps in Manai's case that he is six, seven. So it's not like he's, you know, a shorter point guard, like Kansas, you know, had last few years, they've had really short point guards. So like six, two, six, three point guards who are absolute lockdown defenders on the perimeter, but can't necessarily take those guys inside or can't do those sorts of things. Having a guy that's a few inches taller in six, seven makes him a little bit more versatile, can guard a lot of different people. Um, so yeah, I definitely can, can understand that. I will be interested though to kind of see how that flows because Kansas does have a lot of options out on the perimeter. Um, yeah. you know, Christian Brown has been a, a consistent guy who hasn't really lit up. Uh, from the score, from the scoring, you know, aspect in quite a while, mainly because they haven't needed him to, you know, Jalen Wilson went through a phase where it looked like he was going to be the most prolific guy on the team. And, you know, he was over a three week stretch was the best score that they had. Ochai Baji has done it obviously off and on all year long. Remy Martin in the, in the tournament now has been absolutely fantastic. Um, so like Kansas has a lot of different guys that they can really throw at, Providence. How, how do you think Providence is going to be able to handle that? Having three or four different scores on the perimeter that are at, at any time are eligible to, you know, pop up and, and take a three or, or, you know, drive into the lane. That right there is, it's a question nobody can answer until seven thirty Eastern on Friday night, because the Friars have really, I mean, there's really only one team that the Friars have faced. who can threaten them like that in any way. And that's Villanova. And the defense had issues against them. Um, it was, I mean, they have Colin Gillespie. They have Justin Moore in that backcourt. Manai would usually be on one of them. Villanova would go to the other one, set up some kind of high screen, get an open three and hit it. And they did that all game long. So that, I think, that's how Kansas's offense is probably going to have to run through this. A.J. Reeves, for as good as he is on offense, is a, he's an average defender. Noah Horkler, he'll get blocks. But he is not super strong. He's not the quickest guy. You can move him around. You can get the, get things going on him. Al Durham is a decent defender. Jared, Jared Bynum is a decent defender. But I think Kansas is better on the offensive end than those guys are at defense. And that's it, how much better I think is also going to be a huge storyline. Yeah, I mean, so so let's let's jump down to that down low matchup because obviously we already talked about Nate Watson and he's going to match up against McCormick. It's interesting because I think McCormick is one of those guys where I almost as a Kansas fan is welcoming a another strong center, another guy that can really like match up and, and fight him well because McCormick has shown at times that he doesn't really do very well when he's not challenged. Like if he if he's expected to dominate his matchup, I don't know if it's he doesn't know how to handle the smaller, quicker guys, or if there's something in terms of like an expectation of, Oh, well, I'm going to be just fine. And so he doesn't have to quite work as hard or something, but he does not perform very well when he's going against much smaller guys. His best games have come when there's been another guy who's six ten to seven foot in front of him that he can, you know, turn his back to the basket, can push back. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm almost wondering if what it is, <laughs> because now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, he is used to having a guy and he, the, a lot of the, his shooting is having a guy pushing up against him and pushing off of that into a shot. Yeah. Um, and so when he doesn't get the same kind of resistance, it almost like it throws off his shots. So, I mean, yeah. is, is Watson a similar type of player and how much, Absolutely. how much do you expect that to kind of be an issue? Um, oh, you know what? Better question. Is Watson a guy that typically has to deal with foul trouble? It depends. He's had his games. <laughs> He's had his games. Uh, and that's definitely something I'm concerned about 
for a game like this. And I know part of it, just coming from the Big East, the Big East tends to be a little bit more lenient with the whistle by and large. And we've seen Big East teams get to the big dance and kind of struggle when things get called a little bit tighter. The Friars have gotten in trouble with that before. Um, we had a game against Dayton in the, in the NCAA tournament five or six years ago where both of our best players, one fouled out, the other one had four fouls. And that was basically, that was the game. So I think that's a possibility. Watson's a good player. He's not always the most disciplined. He can get a little bit jump happy to going after shots and get himself out of positions so that can that can get you in trouble with fouls. That can get you in trouble with allowing offensive rebounds too. I know that's an area where McCormick's very good. Yeah, it's funny because it's almost like we're talking about the same player when I'm talking about McCormick <laughs> because he does a lot of those same things other than obviously the the issues with offensive rebounding. Um, so it's really weird because you know the Big Twelve has played a very physical brand of basketball. Lots of really mm-hmm. good defenses. Um, and, and so it almost seems like, you know, when they get to the tournament, they kind of have to take a step back and worry about those foul calls. So it sounds like they're both in a similar sort of situation. Um, you know, the thing that the, I guess the great equalizer is I don't know that anyone has seen refs as bad as these NCAA tournament refs have been so far I'm, this year. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I'm pretty sure. John Gaffney, I saw as one of the refs in the pool for Chicago. I don't know if he's oh, going to be on this Providence Kansas game, but I get that he's been doing Big East games for for years. He's been doing specifically Providence games for a long time, and he is genuinely one of the worst officials I've ever seen. I don't know how he got to the tournament. There was a game Providence played against St. John's back in January, and the Friars won. And after the game on our podcast, we were just kind of looking at each other like, well, we got helped by the refs, and there's really like the refs were just awful. They helped us out. We have to complain about this, even though it helped our team because they were that bad. And John Gaffney was the official that day. So gotta love it, <laughs> man. There are so many similarities between our team because let me, let me tell you, big 12 refs, they have a, um, they have a Twitter account that makes fun of them all the time. Like intentionally, like that's the entire point of the Twitter account is to talk about how bad the big, the big 12 refs are. Um, specifically for that reason, because the refs are absolutely atrocious. So, um, my gosh, I'm feeling a really weird kinship with you guys right now because it sounds like you guys are dealing with a lot of the same things that we are dealing with <laughs> week in and week out. Um, Kansas, unfortunately, has had the the distinct privilege of having John Higgins as their ref quite often, and he gets talked about quite a bit as one of the worst refs. I've heard the time. name, so that can't oh, be good. You could, he's a very distinctive hairstyle, and like oh, if okay. you see it on the court, you know that you're in for a rough game because yeah. his yeah decisions make absolutely – actually. I want to say that he was one of the refs. No, he was not. Never mind. I would say I, I want to say he was one of the refs for the Baylor uh, in North Carolina game, but he absolutely was not. Thank goodness, no, because that would no. have been even worse. So I know I know it's a common refrain, at least among Providence fans, and probably among other Big East fans as well. To when you see John Gaffney is ref in your game, to say, "Hey, I'm glad I got my uh, my John Gaffney jersey on today because it's the it's the ref show. I get to see my favorite player out there." Oh my gosh, that's kind of crazy. All right, so no more ref bashing because, honestly, yeah. it got me down over the weekend. Um, I don't really want to deal with it until we have to because, you know, you know that at least one of these games is going to be marred by horrible officiating. So At least one. At least one, unfortunately. Knock on wood that it's just one and it's not our game. How's that? Yes. Um, I'd like that. So, okay, so so final thoughts here for this matchup. Um, I mean, how do you – or uh, Kansas is the heavy favorite in this game. Which, honestly, the way that they're rated, I, I completely understand it. So, 
you know, if we're talking about Providence getting the upset, what has to happen for them to be able to come out and have a game where they compete with Kansas and, and walk away with a win? You got to have a good night. I mean, you really, you need all your guys scoring. You can't afford, I mean, you definitely can't afford a night like they had against Creighton in the Big East tournament where no shots are going in because you're not going to have a shot. Uh, I think one of the big keys is going to be to control the tempo. I know all six of Kansas's losses have come when you've played at or slower than your average tempo. I think five of your six losses have come when the other team has had 11 offensive rebounds or more. So that's going to be kind of the key. The Friars have to slow the game down, as anybody does when you want to pull an upset. Slow it down and get second chances, be efficient on offense, and not let Kansas score in transition. Kansas, the Jayhawks offense is good enough as is. You can't give them extra buckets. This is so this is the best um, offense by efficiency that Providence has played since 2018. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Which that year, that was the year with Villanova winning the national title with that offense in the conference. And Xavier had an offense a little bit more efficient than Kansas has been this year. The Friars did go three and three against those two teams, did hold them under 75 points in four of the six games they played against them. So, I mean, we've seen Ed Cooley defenses slow down elite offenses before, but they, they have to do it on Friday night. You have to, you can't stop Kansas. You got to slow them down. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and Kansas has kind of been in a similar situation where they, they actually, I think, have the worst defense in the Big 12, um, which isn't really saying much because Big 12 defenses have been absolutely phenomenal this year. But it is still kind of weird to think about. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that that's kind of the other thing that really kind of has to happen here is that if, you know, if if, if Kansas is going to lose this game, it's not just going to be, um, you know, that Providence slows down their offense, but they're going to have to be able to, on the other end, get some easy buckets, find some ways to, you know, get mm-hmm. things to happen. I, I, I hate to say it, but they might, well, I, I don't know that Providence actually can because I think one of the most effective ways – Sorry, do what I'm actually thinking of here, which is one of the most effective ways to deal with Kansas this year is to turn them over and then go quickly and actually get buckets based off of that because their transition defense has not been absolutely has has not been very great. Um, But I mean, looking at adjusted tempo for Providence, looking at what they have, they don't seem to be a team that likes to get out and run very much. No, I mean, they try, but. Yeah, they just it just doesn't happen, and it's weird. The Friars are usually like Ed Cooley's usually has defenses that force turnovers. This year, it just has not happened. They've been good in transition when they get out and do it, but yeah, they don't. They get. I, I think Ed Cooley said their goal is to get like one of those real good transition opportunities every four minutes, and I think they've been lucky to get one every eight minutes this season. Oh man, that yeah, that that is rough. Whereas I think Kansas, their goal is to get one every other minute. So. <laughs> Almost 25% of with 19 of your 79 points against Creighton came uh fast break. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's really what the way that they feasted um, because it's not even just, you know, it's not, I mean, e- even off of made baskets have half the time they'll, they'll push the pace and go quickly and try to find a hole in the defense while the defense is trying to set up. So it'll be really interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you the opportunity here. Um, do you, do you have a prediction? Do you have an idea of how, how you think the game's going to go? I, I, it's tough to make a prediction here because both these teams are so good and have also, I mean, the Friars have just had so many up and down games this year that it's tough. 
I, the last time I made a, a real serious prediction was when Providence played Villanova the first time, and I said this is going to be a slow, grind-it-out type of game, and both teams ended up scoring in the 80s, 80s. and there were 75, <laughs> 76 possessions or something like that. That's usually the way it works. They do it just to spite us, right? Yeah, and the Villanova plays slow too, so I really have no idea what happened in that game. I'm not, I'm not going to make a prediction, but I will say if Nate Watson has the type of game that made him preseason first team all Big East, I think the Friars walk away with the victory. That means probably a 20-point game being super efficient down low, proving that he is the better center than McCormick. If he can't have one of those games and this Providence defense can't settle in at all, I think it's going to be a long night. I think it's either a, prov- a close win for Providence or a big win for Kansas. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think the only prediction that I'm comfortable in making is that Kansas fans, after the fact, are going to be um, wondering what the heck's going on with Ochaibaji. Not not necessarily because he, like, I don't know how he has a huge game in this game because of Manaya potentially shutting him down if he's on. Or if he's not on, then, you know, and other people are playing really well, then they may not need him to go off for a whole bunch. And so while I, along with everyone else, have been waiting for Abaji to kind of take off in the tournament, I don't know how it happens in this game specifically just because of what they have the the ability to be able to shut him down and what everyone else is going to have to do for this team to actually get the victory that they're looking for. So, um, yeah, I'll probably be talking more about this, unfortunately, um, <laughs> as we go along here. But, uh, all right, uh, Matt, any, any final thoughts you want to leave us with before we get out of here? Uh, I will add one last thing. Ed Cooley's motto for the longest time, I swear he says this once a press conference, <laughs> is that their, their team philosophy is defense into offense. And that's also going to be a big thing for Friday night. You'd, you'd think that implies turnovers and things like that. But it's really more about a mentality and it's about a confidence. It's why Jared Bynum doesn't start, even though he's one of the five best players on the team. They want to settle in on defense. They want to get stops. They want to make life tough for you early and then build off of that confidence and get the offense going. I think the... You look at the Creighton game, one of the reasons the offense shot so poorly is that the defense wasn't getting stops. None of the players were confident. They're all trying to shoot you back into a game. They're getting a little bit out of a rhythm. You got to get the defense going first. If the Friars can do that against Kansas, then I think the shooting will come with it, and we're going to be in for a battle. That So that adds extra credence to your thought about it's either going to be a really close one or Kansas is just going to run away with it because if Kansas gets going early, it, it can snowball pretty quick is what it sounds like. Yeah, oh, it absolutely can. That's, that's what happened against Marquette. That's yeah. what happened against Creighton. So, all right. Well, Matt, um, for those that want to get some more some more details about Providence uh, before we actually get to this game, where where can they find your work online? Uh, so I write at the SB Nation site for the Big East, which is Big East Coast Bias. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Saint Dream. It's just my name, but Dream instead of Gene at the end. And um, I have a podcast as well called The Flex. Uh, with the guy I used to broadcast with over at Providence Student Radio covering every Friars game. So uh, those awesome. are the places you can check out my work. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on here. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You can just search for Rock Chalk Podcast, and you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. If for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring this podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. 
We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. So if you go over on Twitter at TEN12, the word network, uh, you can find links to all the great shows that we have there. We are on the Anchor platform as well, which means that you can actually leave us a voicemail. If you if you go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast-message, you can leave that for us. I promise we'll get your voice here on the show. We can ask a question or, or really whatever it is that you want. Really do want to hear from you guys, though. But um, make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. Um, but again, Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer-Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.